Hallelujah. God is good and all the time. Praise the Lord. All right, we're going to read some scriptures first, and then we're going to go into our subject matter this morning. We ask the Lord to make it a blessing. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Don't you love God's answers sometimes? <laughs> Come on, let's re- I go, Lord, God, let's revisit that. <laughs> Therefore, most gladly, oh, what amazing response. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure... And infirmities. Man, this guy, he's cut out of a different thread, isn't he? <laughs> None of you have done that yet, have you? Or can you raise your hand and say, you don't raise your hand? <laughs> I'm not talking about lying this morning, so. <laughs> Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, reproaches. My needs, persecutions, distresses, not because it makes me happy. Flesh is not always, you know, pleased with that, but for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Quench the violence of fires. Escape the edge of the sword. Notice, out of weakness were made strong became valiant in battle, that is, out of that same weakness. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. There are aliens. It's right there. Ah, <laughs> uh, King James is really... <laughs> Mess us up, can it? <laughs> the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Thank you. Thank you. This morning I want to talk to us about, by the grace of God, is don't waste your weakness. Don't waste your weaknesses. The passage of Scripture when Paul writes about the 
God chooses the foolish things. You know, he was addressing the situation of the hour and the culture, which I think if we parallel it, it's not unlike our culture today. And so in that respect, this is a good passage of Scripture. See, the church was the laughing stock of the Roman Empire. They were viewed as weak, puny, pathetic, useless group of religious idiots. Today, we're called deplorables. But yet, God says he takes whom the world deems the lowest, the hopeless, the most hopeless, the helpless, and he uses them to change the, the world. Yes, culture sometimes can view weakness as not something that they want to buy into. And we get brainwashed by society about weakness. Culture has only one word, and that's called winners. Seems like there's no place for seconds. Who won the Super Bowl? But I don't know who they played to win that Super Bowl. If you hear what I'm saying this morning, society doesn't know how to rejoice in weaknesses. No, there's a craving in us of discontentment and insecurity that presses us, you know, away from recognizing that we want to escape our weaknesses when Christ offers power in our weaknesses. Yes. Strength, talent, abilities out of alignment can be liabilities when we don't trust In the Almighty. So if dependence is the objective, then weakness is an advantage. It is an advantage. Yes. Paul knew and learned that it's not human achievement that showcases the grace of God. It's human weakness. Yes. When we embrace weakness, dependence on God opens us up to receiving God's power in mighty, magnificent ways. Paul said, when I'm weak, then I am strong. He said that I boast in that, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
David was just a boy. Seriously. He looked so ridiculous that Goliath laughed and belittled him. He joked about it. Am I a dog that you come to me with staves and stones? Yeah. You see, the devil, he wants you to believe that you're in the minor leagues and not the major leagues. Hear me this morning, church. The entertainment industry, the educational institutions, and so many human agencies try to belittle the Christian and make us look like we're irrelevant and we're trivial and we don't have our force. Weakness. Have you ever thought about becoming content with your weakness? Have you ever thought about chasing contentment with regard to your weakness? I take pleasure in my infirmities, my needs, my persecutions, the distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. God has nothing against strengths and talents and abilities. As long as those strengths, talents, and abilities recognize who gave them. Amen? Yes. So what are you talking about this morning, Pastor, when you say weaknesses? First of all, I am not talking about weaknesses from the standpoint of sins, poor choices, or bad behaviors. Neither is Paul. He's saying that weaknesses are a state of inadequacy or a feeling of inadequacy, a sense of insufficiency, a recognition of your limitations. You encounter them in the physical, you encounter them in the intellectual, and you encounter them in the relational realm. It's human inability. He talks about the category, circumstances, situations, experiences, and wounds that make us look weak. Yes. It is conditions sometimes that we have to live with and endure. It's things that we would get rid of if we had the human strength to do it. And he chooses four words to describe the arena or the realm of weaknesses and its insults, hardships, 
persecutions and calamities. He's saying it's the time when storms, when storm clouds fill the horizons, darkening the view of destination, and oftentimes beating up the vessel. Yes. He said, I take pleasure. Imagine recognizing and embracing your weakness can keep you from stumbling. He said, lest I become exalted above measure, lest I become confident and independent. Yes. So he says, there is a arena of weakness that forces us to depend upon God. Paul said, I'm aware the danger that drawing attention to myself could obscure the grace of God. If I must boast, I will boast in the things that concern my infirmity. Why? Because it's the Lord that gives us power to succeed. I believe that we must chase contentment. We must chase trusting God in a discontented age. It is we who can choose today whether we will have perfect peace and confidence in adversity and see them as opportunities or whether we will live in distress and frustration. Yes. Paul said he became an empty vessel and yet Christ lived through him accomplishing amazing things. It seems that weakness is an avenue in which Christ's power is revealed through us. When God wanted to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, which we know is the Exodus, he did not send a strong nation or army. He sent a weak man. Yes. A weak man operating under the power and the design of mighty God. Let's look at a few men of weaknesses that God turned into the glory revealers of himself. Joseph, immaturity. Moses' inadequacy. Elijah, prone to depression. Hosea, 
marital stress. Peter, impulsive. James and John, love the power, love of power and prestige. Who can sit at your right hand? Timothy, oversensitive. And of course, Paul was the target of criticism. Where does it come from? Where does it come from? We read that some of it comes from Satan. We discover it in Job's story. We see the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. I don't think that's a great place to be, especially if you're sent there to die. But through these things, he wants to cause us to have distraction, misery, and death. Trying to get you to feel either exalted or in despair. And prevent pride and exaltation in your life. Yes. He gives grace. Says it's my grace is sufficient. What's the channel for grace? Humility. Humility. God gives grace to the humble. Amen. Hallelujah. God sometimes is protecting us. You feel inadequate. And probably just about anyone that has done something for the Lord has felt enough inadequacy that they wanted to quit. Because you're overwhelmed by the weaknesses, and we gave you the categories that they can fall in. But weaknesses are not there to make us complain, they're there to help us to search. To reach out. See, God thinks humility is more important than comfort. Yeah, he's a tough one. When you cover up your weaknesses rather than bring them to God, it's like putting on fig leaves. You're still naked. Can you imagine that weakness is actually God's power play? Now, I'm not acquainted with all the sports, but the place that I hear about power play is in hockey. It's a power play. What? Weakness is God's power play. That the power of Christ may rest upon me.
we know that pride was and is devastating end. But God has used tiny people in their weaknesses as his power play. The cross is a power play. The scripture says the first part of it was weakness. But the second part of it is the power. Oh, hallelujah. Weaknesses to draw us near. Weaknesses so that he can show his might and his power. And his arm. I know it's foreign to our culture. It is even foreign in the Christian circles. But how many know that Father knows best? Come on. Father knows best. Oh, bless his holy name. In this power dispensing thing, it's not like you visit in a pharmacist and he gives you two pills and says, take two and see me later. No. He says, lo, I am with you unto the end of the world. When the Apostle Paul spoke about the thorn that was in his flesh, he is referencing what would be a wooden spike by which you were nailed to the floor. Yes. I'm glad for wooden spikes. Jonah needed a wooden spike. If he'd have had a wooden spike, he wouldn't have run. Couldn't have run. But then when Paul says that the power of Christ may rest upon you, he has given us a picture of a tent. A tent that's spread over you. It's a tower of power over him. It's not just simply a momentary fix. There is a divine cloud that rests. You're not alone in your weakness when you acknowledge that I am weak. I need you. I need you. Oh, I need you. Don't waste your weaknesses. No. 
Because it's in weaknesses that the power of Christ finds its fullest expression. I do not say this next as a pride thing, but as a humbling thing. And in all of these years, I have never felt so weak. So dependent. And yet so powerful. It says out of weakness we're made strong. Became valiant in battle. Turned to flight the armies of the enemy. Imagine how that walls tumbled without a shot being fired. Imagine armies put to, put to flight by simply a blast of a trumpet. Life and the story of Gideon. Yes. See, weakness gets your heart into the work and not your ego. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. And not your ego. Oh, yes, church. Trusting the one who loves us so much to put his treasure in jars of clay. Weaknesses humble us. Failures keep us from becoming conceited. Little boy was trying to lift a stone that was much too heavy for him. Just a little guy. His father walked by and seeing him struggling said, Are you using all your strength? The little boy said, yes. The father replied, no, son, you aren't. For you haven't asked me yet. Hallelujah. You haven't asked me yet. Oh, yes. Ask. And you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. We must become content with being a clay jar. A clay jar. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of power may be of God and not of ourselves. If you're creative, give God praise for your creativity. If you're insightful, give God the honor for your insight. If you can solve problems, give God the glory. was Daniel that this plays out in his life as this dreams have come and he can't, you know, he doesn't know what the dreams mean, but lives are at stake. And so he goes to the 
dream interpreter. And he's the one that said, oh, Daniel, or oh, oh, king, it is not I, but it is the spirit of the living God within me. Right before the king. You know who's behind this. Absolutely. Success indeed is the plan of God. But recognition of where success comes from is also relevant and important to us. You see, when God called Moses, he was just a clay jar. He is someone that he didn't have a message. He didn't have any authority. In himself, he had lost all his sense of ability. No eloquence and no previous experience except colossal failure. Oh, hallelujah. Sometimes God's got to argue with us a little bit. He's got to help us through it. I can't speak. I'll be with your mouth. Who made the tongue and the mouth? The disciples, of course, were, <laughs> they were just a ragtag group of unschooled ruffians, by and large. That's all they were. But turning those stumbling blocks and hindrances and those weaknesses into stepping stones. I love what he said. In 2 Corinthians, he said that the power of God, that the power may be of God and not of us. He says that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. And that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. It sounds to me like just down to earth, rubber meets the road. The big challenge is to accept that we're clay pots. That were disposable. Recognizing that we're not good enough. So that God's power can rest on us. 
seems to me sometimes there's wrestling arenas. Because the Apostle Paul, he said, I, I asked the Lord three times. I'm not sure that he just went one, two, three. I'm sure he asked. And walking in the same circumstances, the same environment, you know. Ask again. You see, weakness is not a hindrance to God's power. It's a catalyst to his power. Yes. And you don't catch this power and get this power unless you drink deeply from the fountain of his grace. You can't get it hurrying to the next appointment. Now, just what if what's happening is your crucifixion? So you can be raised in power. He was crucified in weakness. Yet he was raised in power. I'm telling you, this guy is quite amazing. But he didn't come there overnight. I have learned... I have learned. You see, all of God's giants were weak people. God has chosen the weak things. The discarded, the abased, you know what I mean? Those that are not on, you know, who's who's list on earth are going to be somebody in heaven. Praise the Lord. Clay pot. You and I are weak, but he is strong. You and I were born with cavities. I'm not talking about your teeth. (laughs) You feel those weaknesses deeply. And yes, like cavities, they seem to have a direct connection, you know what I mean, to the sensitivities. Paul did not view it as a curse, but as a blessing. Most gladly, I will glory in my weakness that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
He's not being a fatalist. Not at all. He looks beyond the pain. Looks beyond the event to the glorious fruit that God is going to bring into his life. It forced him to stay close to God in order that he might experience his strength. I believe he had a hunger for the power of God in his life. Not for power, but for the power of God. Yes. Most gladly, I'm going to glory in my infirmities. The psalmist in 119 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. See, the fact that you are a clay jar implies imperfections and deficiencies. Salvation comes at the point of your weakness. Yes. You were a clay jar, you were born with cavities, and you were born to break. Deterioration is what the curse means. Ever since the curse, there's been a deterioration. But God says, I'm not going to leave it there. I'm not going to leave you trapped. No. When the pot realizes what the pot is. Richard Hilton say you're not all of that in a bag of chips too. <laughs> now you're great, but you got weaknesses. Fact is, so many people are being tripped up by their weaknesses rather than being empowered in their weaknesses. recognize our disposableness. Yes. The pot does not sit around bemoaning the fact that it's dirty and disposable. The pot simply yields to the potter. There's the potter's wheel and there's the potter's shelf. Yes. Let me read you The Chosen Vessel by Cornwall. 
The master was searching, I'll ask my musicians to come, the master was searching for a vessel to use. On the shelf there were many. Which one? Which one would he choose? Take me, cried the gold one, I'm shiny and bright. I'm of great value and I do things just right. My beauty and our luster will outshine the rest and for someone like you, master, gold would be the best. The master passed on with no word at all, and he looked at silver, the silver yearn, narrow and tall. I'll serve you, dear master. I'll pour out your wine. I'll be at your table whenever you dine. My lines are so graceful, my carving so true, and my silver will always compliment you. On hating... On heeding, the master passed on to the brass. It was wide-mouthed and shallow and polished like glass. Here, here, cried the vessel, I know I will do. Place me on your table for all men to view. Look at me, called the goblet of crystal, so clear. My transparency shows my contents so, contents so dear. Though fragile I am, I will serve you with pride. I'm sure I'll be happy your house to abide. The master came next to a vessel of wood, polished and carved. It solidly stood. You may use me, dear master, the wooden bowl said, but I'd rather you use me for fruit and not bread. The master looked down and saw a vessel of clay, empty and broken, helplessly lay. No hope had the vessel that the master might choose to cleanse and to make, to fill it to use. Ah, this is the vessel I've been hoping to find. I will mend and use it and make it all mine. I need not the vessel with pride of itself, nor the one who is narrow to sit on a shelf, nor the one who is big mouth and shallow and loud, nor one who displays his contents so proud. Not one who thinks he can do things just right, but this plain earthly vessel filled with my power and might. Then he gently lifted the vessel of clay, mended and cleansed it and filled it that day. Spoke to it kindly, there's work you must do, just pour out to others as I pour into you. Know what you are. You can't make a fish a better tree climber. But you can help it become a better swimmer. Know who you are. And last but not least, are you a happy pot? Hallelujah. Are you a happy pot?
knowing this, that the road of rejoicing is the road to not being stuck in your weakness. I rejoice in my weaknesses. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. <clears throat> Gotta become a happy pot, church. <laughs> Amen. There's too many frowns. I mean, at least fake it, man. <laughs> a happy pot? Is it a stretch? Yes, it is. Sometimes it takes a remake. Jeremiah said, I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making it at a wheel. The vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again. Another vessel has seemed good to the potter. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter's, says the Lord? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Calvary is a blaring story that we are broken people. Yes. Accepting means being honest, open and transparent and humble about who you are. A pot that knows the potter. Thank you, Jesus. That when it gets cracks, dinged and chipped, it does not get cast down. Paul said we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Yeah. Hallelujah. A pot who knows the potter. You see, it's not focusing on our weaknesses and insecurities. We can do it, not focus, because we know the Heavenly Father is with us. Yes. Don't waste your weakness don't waste your weakness because it is an advantage 
Let me tell you an extreme story here, but it is a true story, true to life story. It's about Rab, Robert Babcock. As a young boy, Robert made a bomb out of some powder he found in his father's barn. He had a hard time getting it to go off, but when it finally did, it blew up in his face. He was instantly blinded. He remained so the rest of his life. Showing the connection what Paul is talking about. So his parents realizing that his sight was never be restored, took him to an institute for the blind in Philadelphia. And Robert did so well and had such a strong will to become independent that even as a youth, he traveled home to Michigan by himself on a train. He went on to college and every year was near the top of his class. In 1869, at the age of 18, he began to study at Ann Arbor Medical College as the first student to ever begin the study of medicine as a blind person. You would naturally assume that he did not go far. But the fact is, he went all the way. He went to Chicago Medical School, and there he had to dissect the body, which students with good eyesight find it a difficult task to do. Sightless though he was, he passed the test to the astonishment of the examining board. After further study in New York, he, he was licensed to begin a practice in Chicago. It took him 10 years to build up a strong practice, you think? For obvious reasons, his reputation grew. After that, he was made professor of the Chicago College of Physicians and Surgeons. Many others' honors were bestowed upon him. He wrote three important books that made him a world figure among doctors. His thorn was no stumbling block. His thorn was no stumbling block. No, I'm not saying I don't know whether he was a Christian, but he did not, you know, let his thorn become the picture that he saw. Became the potential. Yes. Weakness can be your asset and not your and we all have them. We all have them. We feel the inadequacy of it. So whatever has happened in your life, whatever is happening in your life, it's challenging. It doesn't, you know, seem to, to have a, a, a place. It is just simply designed to shape the pot. 
so that the master can fill it so it can be poured out. That's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't have to be gold. I don't have to be silver. I don't have to be brass. I don't have to be crystal. And I don't have to be polished wood. I must be a clay pot. First, foremost, once and always. I must be a clay pot for his glory to be seen and his power to be manifested as you stand with me today. He said, I'm going to boast in the Lord. I'm going to boast in who he is, what he's done, what he is still doing, and what he has promised to do. Yes. Amen. Let us sing a song this morning. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Use, let God use it. Bring it broken. Bring it marred. Oh, bring it. You know, when, when you receive the Lord and there's an old song that you sing, just as I am without one plea, but that the blood was shed for me. Amen. This is not just to rebuild the past. This is to prepare us for the future. How are we going to handle the insults? How are we going to handle the persecution and how are we going to handle the hardships? And I'm not prophesying that they're coming. They're already here. They might not want us on their table, but God wants us on his table. We and you might not be used to come out of the shadows into the limelight in the public arena. But there's a Joseph in the dungeon. There's a Daniel, you know, in the arena. That in the moment and the right time, God brings that clay pot in vessel. Hallelujah. That's been molded and shaped, you know, by time and his situations and, and circumstances and brings it forth. 
Yeah. You say, Pastor, can it happen again? I don't know that it's going to happen in the dimension that it happened with Nebuchadnezzar. But if just one person you can touch and help, just one. He wants to bring you and he will bring you out of and off his shelf at the right time for the right purpose. Hallelujah. To pour oil and wine from the master's table. God. Now, if he should layer you with gold and silver and crystal, always remember you're just a clay pot under it. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Your story is not intended to be lost. Your story and my story is intended to be published. Yes. It may not be read in the New York Times and Wall Street Journal or even in Christianity magazine. But somebody's going to open the page of your life. Somebody is going to go ahead and ask for your story. And your story is going to make a difference in their story. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And that's why I say we don't just understand that we're pots of clay, that we're born with cavities and we have imperfections but he wants us to start being happy pots amen happy pots in your tribulation happy pots in your stress happy pots in your unanswered prayer happy pots you know man no matter what is taking place become a happy pots because he said happy are the people whose God is the Lord give him a praise today church amen God's people are happy 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 amen go with God amen and take him take him praise God because you're a vessel a vessel God bless you today Jesus name you're dismissed